live from the ESPN 690 and Jordan Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Light. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the man, right? Um, you know, and I, uh, you know, I hate, you know, uh, you know, you hate, you hate the sin, you know, like for me, you hate for anybody. No one's perfect. You know, if we just started opening up everybody's private emails and texts, you know, people would start sweating a little bit. You see what I'm saying? Um, hopefully, hopefully not too many, you know, uh, but maybe that's what they should do for all coaches and GMs and owners from now on is open up. You got to open up everything, you know, see what happens. Well, that is uh, Derek Carr and his thoughts on the situation um, with John Gruden. It was a really tough spot for the players and everybody to be in this week uh, with Gruden. I, I mean, sir, some of them should have angst. Uh, Carl Nassib, the only openly gay player in the NFL, uh, took a personal day. They gave yeah. him a personal day to kind of wrap his um, head around everything. Yeah. And... I think it's tough, and Austin, you tell me if, if not, um, but I, I think we got to try to get on this level. Okay, we all agree. It's unbelievable. What are, what are we doing here, John mm -hmm. Gruden? We didn't know that's who you were or who you, you would say those things, and, and we said it Tuesday. It's like this isn't like a one. I, I think it's different sometimes when people – not all the time. I think it's different sometimes when people say something once. And like, where did that come from? Or maybe that's not who they are. And now this day and age, you say something once, guess what? You're labeled anyway. It doesn't matter. Sure. But I don't know if that's fully who in every situation, that's who people are. Well, you have this flood of emails that were released and somebody was out to get John Gruden by releasing them, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it's what he said. And it's like, wow, it's hard to kind of, how do you defend that? Right. You can be closest, you can be Jay Gruden, John's brother, and it's going to be a hard thing to defend, right? Yeah. And you've known him all your life and, and who he is, and, and you love him and all that stuff. But in this situation, I think what Derek Carr said, he said it in a, in a you know, in a good way. You can, what do you say? Like you can still love the person, hate the sin? Is that what he said? I think or that's what it was. Something like yeah, that. Yeah. And that's an interesting separation point, I would think, from a player to a coach. You'd build this relationship, especially Derek Carr, mm -hmm. and do you just throw that relationship aside? And this doesn't have to be player-coach. It's going to be anybody you know, you know? I mean, you think about your best friend, mm -hmm. right? Think about it. Right now, you're in your car. Think about your best friend in the world, and they do something, and it's like, man, I did not know that was in them, or I didn't see that coming, or I can't believe they did that. I couldn't disagree more. Do you still support or cast aside, even as a close friend? Well, my guess is John Gruden's going to lose a lot of people he knows and had in his corner over the years off this. Not everybody, but he's going to lose a lot. No, you're you're going to lose a lot. I mean, let's be honest here. It seems like in the past couple of years or so, friendships have been put through the ringers on politics well, that's alone. A good point, yeah. You know, and that's just politics. And then when you start, you know, literally just going after people and, and offending people really of, of race and, and sexual orientation and, and all of that, um, yeah, it, it, it's going to rub people the wrong way. And I respect what, what Carr said, you know. I mean, he, he loves the human, just he hates the sin. Um, and, and I fall in line with that where I'm, I'm not saying that, hey, you, you have to hate with every fiber of your being John Gruden now. To me, that's energy wasted as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, a little counterproductive maybe. Too. Very counterproductive, yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm glad this was brought to the light and they got a guy like that out of there, you know. And 
I, I just talked about this with, with Andy Reid in terms of, you know, being who you are and, and, and not putting on a facade. And obviously the John Gruden that was in the locker room that probably spoke to his players was, you know, maybe a different guy behind the scenes. And as a player, that, that hurts you more than anything. Like, I, I can't imagine what those players are feeling right now in that locker room. That's tough. Right? Because you, you, you felt like you just got conned a, a little bit. You know, that you, you sacrificed your, your, your blood and sweat um, for, for the greater good of the, of the Las Vegas Raiders. And all of a sudden, you see the guy that was put in charge of that. They're the guy that was supposed to lead you uh, to a championship. This guy turned out to be something that you didn't know, something that you didn't foresee happening. So that's a really tough pill to swallow. I don't know what, what happens to John Gruden from here. I mean, I, I could say, hey, yeah, let's go ahead and get, you know, let's, let's educate John Gruden and all this stuff. But, like, to, <laughs> I'm all for educating people. I'm, I'm, I'm all for trying to find the best in people. But when you're a leader and when you're, when you're older, it's, it's, for me, it's hard to get on that, you know, to, to get aboard that brand. Because, once again, we talked about it, it's just who you are. Like, if this was one email, you made a mistake, we all make mistakes, we're human, um, to err is a human. Okay, great. When this vocabulary and this language is used over and over again in hundreds and hundreds of emails that span out through the, the past eight years, I mean, that's, that's eight years of, of, of thinking a certain way that you have to fix, and that's not easy. Yeah, that so, feels like it's in you. Um, yeah. But the question I would have now would be really interesting to see if we find this out and somebody does. In the last few years now that he's been back in the league, because this was all time when he wasn't in the league. And if you go back to the – well, heck, that was really a different time 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But and, but it doesn't make it right. I'm just saying it's a really different time. What I would notice, wonder is 19, 20, 21, 18 even, when he's back in the league – did somebody catch up on any of these things? Did they hear this? Or were these just things written with this group of men, you know, that are Bruce Allen and others? Because, again, there were emails, not just to Bruce Allen, according to the New York Times um, article, that had this kind of, like, group that was involved in it. Is yeah. this just the way they were talking? Or is this more conversation? Like, did Mike Mayock hear this from time to time? Whether Mike Mayock said it or not, but did he hear this kind of conversation from time so to time? By the way, it's not going to make anything better. It's not going to make what happened better i would kind of be interested to know what somebody says and how they act and and talk in front of uh see, people that, in everyday world versus what they email is that different but see to me obviously this starts with gruden and and, and gruden this is his fault but the people that and i there's people out there whether it was mike mack and i don't put anybody in a false light here i'm not sure you know who said what who responded to what but I guarantee you that if Gruden sent in these emails, his circle has heard these, this verbiage before. I would okay? think, right? you, I mean, that's yeah. who you are, once again. So, like, it also stems on you. It stems on you to hold people accountable. Because, I mean, if you truly, if, if you preach making progress and you preach, you know, trying to usher the NFL into a new light and a new era and all this stuff and e equality and all this, well, then it takes everybody. And it also takes people that are maybe in someone's circle who's speaking out the wrong way to hold that person accountable. So to those people that had a chance time and time again to hold Gruden accountable, this is on you as well as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, do you think they should? There's a lot of talk now. What would come of these emails if they released them? Uh, they're not going to. It doesn't look like the NFL has said they're not going to do that. Obviously, somebody leaked these out. Then the Adam Schefter email came out sure, about sure. his journalism and things like that, which, by the way, I believe happens way more than that one time. Uh, but how much... Do you think um, the email should be released 
even if we maybe don't want to know the answer of what we might see. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think there's a little bit of that. Yeah. And there's a little bit like, do we really want, not to the NFL, I'm just saying even oh, the no, public, cause, like cause the public, like, do we storm. really want to see? It's almost like, do we really want to know that guy's not as, you got to remember, John yeah. Gruden was a very likable character. Yes. Like, he is a likable figure. big part of the ESPN brand. You know? And I mean, people like John Gruden. Yes. Over the years. So this is not somebody that you're like, hey, that guy figured that was about him the whole time. Like, I don't think anybody would have guessed that on John Gruden. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe if you're around him closer to him, maybe you would have. But so I think people are a little bit like, okay, what if these, I like this coach and this coach and this exec and my team and blah, blah, blah. What would we see from those emails? By the way, that shouldn't be the reason they either release them or not release them. Yeah. Uh, but do you think they should release more of these yeah i mean absolutely I, I think if there's people out there that are that follow the, the gruden path and have said things like gruden has then i think those people need to be brought to the light i really do um could it turn the nfl world upside down absolutely but like if i'm a player in that locker room i would if, if my coach was saying these things i want to know about it whether it's in the privacy of his own emails or if it's in public, I, I would want to know because I'm a player. I'm supposed to believe in this guy. I trust in this guy. And if that trust is violated and it's not somebody that I think that, that person is, then I should have a right to know. So I'm for it. Yeah. I, th I think it could be an absolute whirlwind. Woof. But it is what it is. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, what do you... Yeah, I don't know if they should. Again, we don't know. Somebody's going to find out sooner or later how that thing leaked out. Mm -hmm. That will be a fascinating part of this story. Mm -hmm. uh, to Daniel's point here on YouTube, that would be like a soap opera, Daniel. How it would be a soap out? opera. Um, That's, I mean, it doesn't listen. feel feels a little bit like almost out of a movie. Yeah, you know, uh, just those emails targeted at Gruden. Yeah, and, and like once again, because we spoke on this a couple of days ago, I, I'm not the, trying to be the guy that's leading pitchforks and going on this witch hunt and making sure everyone loses their jobs and their livelihoods. Like, I'm not trying to be that guy. But if you can't even follow one of the golden rules of treat people how they deserve, no, how they've earned to be treated, then how do you run an organization? How, how am I supposed to be a player in that locker room, sacrifice my body and my mind for you, and you can't even follow the golden rule? Yeah. No, you're getting called out. You deserve to be called out. Enough said. All right, let's switch back to some football. I got a thought on quarterbacking right now in the NFL. Okay. Uh, is it the best it's ever been? I think it might be. I've said hmm. this that I think there are more good quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, in general, in football, mm -hmm. uh, in our population that have ever existed. The training is there. We know what good quarterbacks are. The games have changed to help different skill set quarterbacks, uh, strengths and weaknesses quarterbacks. Like, there's more. Mm -hmm. Like, there are no doubt in my mind. I think that's a fact. Uh, but when we get to the elite of the elite, when we get to the, the, the show, the NFL, uh, are there... I think we might be living through, I mean, listen, we, we had Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and you got Brett Favre and you got Troy Aikman and you go back, you got Dan Marino, you Steve Young. You got guys for years, right? For the, yeah. I mean, we've always had good quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. But my question is, is this the, like, most elite we've ever been at mm -hmm. the QB position in the NFL? And I'm starting to think yes is the answer from old guys to young guys to even middle-of-the-road guys that might not necessarily you would call elite, mm -hmm. but still have hope for or are willing to ride with. Yeah. It's, 
It's, it's an intro. I mean, first of all, let's be honest here. If you throw Tom Brady in any era, that era is going to probably be the best. You're getting a bump, right? Right. So it's definitely the the, the Tom Brady slash goat bump there. I mean, in terms of of young talent, because keep in mind, like Patrick Mahomes, still young. You know, the emergence now of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. And to me, it's it's what it looks like now, right? It's the uh, it's the dual threatness. It's the extending the play if you have to. I think from if you're asking the question from a talent standpoint, then yes, what these guys are capable of, I think it is probably the best. Um, you know, decade or whatever generation of quarterbacks that you're going to see. I think in terms of overall greatness, I'm not ready to call it that just yet, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, and I, it does make sense to me because there's a lot of unwritten stories. Yeah. Uh, the thing I thought about it today, okay, and, and this will give you a little bit more context. At 9.30 on Sunday morning on CBS, the Dolphins are going to play the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. That's Tua, who was a top five pick a couple years ago against number one overall pick Trevor Lawrence. Uh, again, I'm mixed on Tua. I think the world is kind of mixed on Tua. But the skill set of Trevor Lawrence is off the charts, and people have called him generational, and he's been pretty good. We haven't seen enough to know that yet, to your point, right? Yeah. We don't know if they're elite. Mm-hmm. But the curiosity is there, are they? Well, then at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, you got Justin Fields, another one of those up-and-coming guys, and Aaron Rodgers, who... Might be the most talented of this generation. Correct. You can make the case. Yes. Also, at 1 o'clock, I know we're showing this game on CBS uh, 47. It's the Chargers and the Ravens, who right now have Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson in this game and might be, outside of Brady, the two leading MVP candidates of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And these guys, by the way, are like 24. Right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, and then uh, at, uh, let's see, hold on. The 4 o'clock game. That's also going to be on CBS 47. This is where it crossed my mind because I knew all these games were coming up. Cowboys and Patriots. Dak Prescott playing a really high level of football when he hasn't been hurt. Mm-hmm. And Mac Jones, another one of those top 15 quarterbacks that now you look toward the future and your team is invested in and you feel like Mac, at least for the next handful of years, depending on how this goes, will be the quarterback of the New England Patriots. And while we won't get this necessarily, Russell Wilson with Seattle would play at 8 o'clock against the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger. And by the way, Ben Roethlisberger, with all he's done in his career, the Super Bowls, the accolades, the everything else, he will be now probably one of, like, the bottom 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. Right? The time has passed him by, it looks like. And then on Monday night, you get Buffalo Bills against the Titans. And while I think Tannehill kind of falls right now this year into the category of I don't know where he fits, Mm -hmm. we know that Josh Allen might be, again, one of those leading front-runner MVP candidates. So I just pulled out five games. Mm -hmm. I think that was five. One, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. And I can give you storylines and make cases for and – Hand out the MVP potentially. Oh, and I'll also throw tonight's in there because the MVP leading candidate is Tom Brady. Yes. The GOAT. Yes. (laughs) And he plays tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, isn't that pretty wild? And even him goes against a guy like Jalen Hurts, who people are still waiting for the book to be written on, and is 87% of the Eagles' offense. Every game you go to has this storyline of quarterback that gives you hope. Mm -hmm. We've seen some good things. This is very few... Uh, uh, let's say, let's give me give me a good example. This is very, it's very few matchups across the league like we would have in Jacksonville from time to time where 
it was Todd Bowman against, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick before he got popular, you know, Uh, or even Bortles to that degree against EJ Manuel. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's like we don't have those Mm -hmm. in the NFL. Like I'm trying to think what that matchup would be in today's NFL right now. I mean, is it Heineke? Well, he's oh, even. Yeah, but he's, I mean, you know. He's doing well. Does yeah. Sam Darnold? Okay, he's doing, he's doing well. well. Probably I mean, Teddy, maybe? I guess. Yeah, Teddy. Teddy, maybe. But even, but no, like, I, do I you think the folks in Denver are happy to have Teddy right now? They're three and two. Yeah, and, I mean, they're happy. I th- I'd probably say Jimmy Garoppolo, Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, that maybe. could be like kind of that doesn't get you over the moon excited, right? Yeah. And they're going to move on soon enough from Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll I mean, that. if, that's, if that's like a Thanksgiving game, I'm probably turning on Shania Twain instead. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the point being, you really have to search for that. We used to at Phil, no, like, search you. for the marquee matchup. That's why we came, that's why we had primetime games. We yeah. want to put Brett Favre against, you name it, you know, Tom Brady mm-hmm. on national tv mm-hmm. well now you could flip any coin man yeah and and Bengals and jaguars carries intrigue and a lot of popularity because of why the qb is in that game even with the cincinnati Bengals and the jacksonville jaguars you, you, i mean you're making solid points here um obviously the game you know since i grew up it's changed drastically in terms of offensive scoring power right like points are at all-time high so like that obviously helps the quarterback position out as well i think in terms of if you go from team to team yeah there's not a bad match with the quarterback position but also i feel like you know and this is just me speaking from like when i was growing up like when you had quarterbacks like brett Favre, john elway steve young like you got the sense that like if steve young was playing somebody that's probably a win brett Favre was playing somebody yeah that's probably a win you know, if, uh, I mean, Peyton Manning's not really, too th- I mean, he started 2000s, but, like, he didn't get his groove until later on in his career. But, like, you got a sense, like, when these guys were playing, like, yeah, their influence is going to be all over the game. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that's not the case these days, but now we have, like, every team's got so much speed and, and, and like, skilled receivers and, and good play calling. It's like the, the game has evolved so much where I feel like it just doesn't re- revolve around the quarterback's arm anymore. That's a good now, point. Now, I mean, if you look at the stats, though, like Tom Brady, yeah, it, it revolves around his arm. Like, he's not doing anything else. No. no, he's throwing, but I just think that the way the, the, the play calls have changed now and everything, I felt like a lot more was, was put on the quarterbacks of my generation growing up than it is now, which makes zero sense because it's more of an offensive-driven league. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, I, get I what think you're you can kind of scheme everything, you know? I don't know. I get what you're saying. Like, you're basically saying those – when you did have that guy – you were like, okay, we're going to win. But my point in that is, and I think you're answering my point, is that usually on the other side of the, the, yeah, the sideline, you, you would have a lesser quarterback. Yeah. More often than not, you wouldn't always True. have this star quarterback. So, well, you go to the Ravens and yeah. the Chargers, man. Which quarterback are you taking? No, you're right. So I think to, to agree with you here, from top to bottom, from the top team in the league to the, the bottom of the league, in terms of talent and in terms of, I, I guess, like, Similarity, yeah, that's there, but I also think like from greatness, whether it was Joe Montana, whether it was you know even like a guy like Kurt Warner at the time, like Kurt Warner was one of the it's one of the greatest stories of all time. Yeah, yes, the guy was big in groceries, and, and they, they would win, and they would win, and like for what two years or three years when, when he was in St. Louis, two years back to back Super Bowl, I think they won one and lost one, or yeah. lost one and won one. But like he he immediately cemented himself as okay if he's playing then he's yeah I mean yeah. he had the weapons around him obviously as well. But, like, that's, 
to me, it was just it was a different time in terms of the star power of back then than it is now. Like, yes, it's still about the quarterback. It's still about Tom Brady. It's still about Patrick Mahomes and all this stuff. But I feel like in order for them to be successful nowadays, they got to have, like, the, the speedy receivers, and, and, and they got to have the, the great play calling. I'm not sure if, like, all those guys back then had that. Well, and again, I think that speaks to the everybody has their guy that's pretty good, so you better be good in other areas. And the best proof of that right now is Patrick Mahomes, arguably yes. the best quarterback of the last few years has 15 touchdowns in his first handful of games, and they're 2-3. and three. You know why? Because they're not good in other areas sure. like defense. Yes. And so that's a problem. So it's almost, it's created a point where we have so many good quarterbacks in the league that you better be pretty good in other areas. You have to have a complete team. To your point, you might have been able to get away with the quarterback just carrying the team yeah. as recently as Tom Brady and the Patriots over the years. Like, True. They didn't well, always have this great team around him. Well, see, I think it's Tom Brady, it's Aaron Rodgers. Because yeah, like Rodgers Aaron Rodgers didn't have a lot of good receivers. But the I mean, Manning had a crappy offensive line for a while. True, true. But he had some weapons, though. But he did have weapons. That's true. Uh, Let's get to Captain Rick right now. uh, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report. Captain Rick, favorite quarterback of all time is? Ooh, Joe Montana. There we go. But but I got a question. Austin, did you say you had the option of turning on Shania Twain? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, hey, it it seemed like every Thanksgiving growing up, Shania Twain was doing some kind of Thanksgiving special or there was like ball on the other channel. Okay, but you, uh, I would take the option anytime I could of turning on Shania Twain. I'm just saying. I mean, that's up to you. But. Who are you telling? Uh, she's, she's, she still has it. I'm telling you. I know. She's a star. All right, let's let's talk fishing a little bit. It was actually pretty good today. The trigger fish are still biting inshore. Robert Simon uh, had a half a day inshore, and they had six or seven nice trigger fish. They also had a whole lot of Elmico jacks. And why we've gotten this population boom of Elmico jacks the last few years, I don't know, but we certainly have. The sea bass bit a little bit. Uh, there were four or five caught per boat like that, so those fish are starting to move down from up north. Now, the redfish have continued to roll right along, and tomorrow is the last day of flounder fishing until December 1st. We've got a closed season that stretches from midnight tomorrow until the 1st of December. So if you can get them, get them tomorrow. Now, Weather-wise, we're going to look beautiful tomorrow. We're going to look great until about 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. A northeaster is coming in. It's coming in hard. It's going to drop our temperature, and it's going to cause the ocean to be too rough. So if you're going to fish this weekend, be back at the dock before 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. But one thing you can count on is we will be back tomorrow with another fishing report brought to you by Workman's Quick Fix Plumbing and CSS Landscaping. All right, Captain Rick, appreciate it, man. Have a good night. Thank you, boys. Uh, it's Captain Rick Riles, uh, Florida Sportsman Fishing Report, each and every day. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 and 7 a.m. on Saturday mornings. Make sure you join the show. Chris Sale going to be the number, the game one starter for the Red Sox against the Astros. Nate Valdi in game two. Sean McAdam, who covers the Red Sox, says surprise game one starter. It's amazing when you can have a $100 million guy <laughs> be the surprise starter. But Evaldi yeah. is kind of their horse, yeah. you know? Go Giants. <laughs> My mom today is great. It's like, hey, how about the Red Sox? It's like, uh, who are they playing again? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. She's like, the Astros. She's like, Texas, right? I was like, no, Houston, Mom. Well, I mean, it's, it's in Texas. I was like, yeah, you were close. Yeah, she's got it. And so uh, Mom's all over this. She's like, yeah. it's a five-game series, right? No, wait, seven. Seven. Yeah. So all the Red Sox have to do is play well for like eight more games. Yep.
Now, <laughs> Brett, no, no, she's got it. She's got it. She's, she's, she's a baseball fan. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. She watches uh, some of it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> she was also like, they finally did well, which means the narrative in Boston is he, that they stunk all year. Whoa, I mean, Brett, your, your, your timeline was that narrative. <laughs> it still might be the narrative. That. It still might be the narrative. <laughs> we'll Man. be back. FSU report. Casey's dying to do it when we come back on ESPN 690. <laughs> Really, really proud of our football team. You know, getting a chance to go back and watch the film, to see the execution of a plan of what we uh, what we wanted to do, how that played out throughout the course of uh, you know four quarters. Um, I thought we played one of our cleanest games, and I said in, in regards to you know we were 100% ball security. Uh, um, you know, offensively we were able to create a takeaway. I had explosive plays. Uh, had explosive play in special teams. Uh, really established the run. That is Mike Norvell. How about the Florida State Seminoles? Two wins in a row. Man, big win, too. That was a good one. That seems like forever ago. Yeah. <laughs> the weekends are long, man. Uh, that was a good win for Mike Norvell. Good win for Florida State. They have a bye week this week. They get UMass on the other side. And now you start to, you know, again, I, we talked about this with the Jags. Could they snowball it? Now it might snowball a little bit. And... I just love the fact, I keep referring to this, I love the fact if you go two weeks ago, you want to talk about a, a turning point, and, and by the way, this is a little less than like Tim Tebow's promise, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was a pound-the-podium emotional talk to the media from Mike Norvell, and since then they've won a couple games. And I know that seems like, yeah, whatever, Brent. I mean, who cares? They won a couple games or two and four. Well, you know what? In Tallahassee, they were starting to wonder if they were going to win a game. Yeah. Okay? Yes. I mean, <laughs> maybe UMass on the other side either way because UMass is very good. But, well, how did that go earlier in the season? So, <laughs> I think it's uh, – I wonder if it's starting to turn a little bit at Florida State, and I think that's fair to ask. I mean, they've won two in a row. He's still got their attention. They're playing better football. Uh, their their offensive line, I think, is playing together a little bit better, all these things. And, mm -hmm. and it's very – listen, if they went up against, you name a good team right now, I'm, I'm not sitting here ready to pick them. Uh, they're, they're not good enough for that. But if they can roll off a couple more wins before the end of the season. What I'm, what I'm really interested, Austin, is if they can beat UMass – and then after that, it's Clemson. Let's just say they well, beat Clemson. Well, if, I mean, when, hopefully. Like, let's be honest Yeah, let's here. hopefully it's yeah. when. So it's, yeah. they, they have the, the bye week. They beat UMass. They've won three in a row. Let's just say they feel good about themselves. Clemson's down. Mm. I don't think they're even I, – I doubt this happens, but Clemson's been in it with everybody. Clemson's just not that good. So let's just say they beat them. What, and then maybe they lose a game. But what does it do for the Florida-Florida State game? And does it scare Gator fans a little bit? Because right now it's a layup. Like, that's a layup game on their schedule. Yeah. It, you know, when the Gator schedule comes out the last couple of years, that is an absolute layup game mm -hmm. uh, against Florida State. And you start to wonder, even if it's not a Clemson win, if they go into that game and they have four, they've won four out of five or they get to a fifth <laughs> win, I wonder how Gator fans would feel about that game and be like, okay, we at least kind of uh, give these guys some no, notice. You know? it, it would definitely set a precedent because – you know, like, let's be honest, Florida, they're disappointed right now because they're out of college football playoff contention. Yeah. Right? So now, I mean, yeah, you're still trying to play for the bowl, the best bowl you can play in, and you're playing for pride and all this stuff. Well, you know, Florida State, 
if they can be competitive that game and do I dare say maybe win that game, that would be Ooh. huge for the universe. I mean, obviously that game's going to mean a lot more to Florida State than it does to Florida. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think there are some games down the stretch of the schedule that mean a heck of a lot more to Florida State, even sitting at 2-4 and four right now, mm-hmm. than they do for the teams they're playing. And uh, if you can put one of those out that people don't expect, well, that even helps flip the the, the script even more. And, you know, I said this last week as we bring Casey in for the FSU report. I think right now it's important to build momentum and keep, as you go to signing day, keep what looks to be a very good recruiting class for Mike Norvell because that's the one that's going to really help it turn around. Uh, we'll see if he can do that. Uh, FSU report brought to you by uh, Bono's Pit Barbecue and Willie Jules Old School Barbecue. What do you have, Casey? I'll start right where you kind of left off, and that is if they don't lose to Jacksonville State, it's a whole different feeling for FSU because Wake is obviously good. Yeah, they are 5-0. and oh. uh, The Louisville game was close. That's a game that could go either way, and the Notre Dame game was close. So if you beat Jacksonville State, it's kind of a whole different feel, in my opinion. Um, but as you mentioned, the rest of the season, obviously UMass, then Clemson. Then you have a tough test at home with NC State. Miami, who has lost to Eric King now, might not be that good. And then Boston College and Florida to finish it up. But they did get the 35-25 to win over North Carolina at North Carolina. They got down 10 nothing after the first quarter, scored the next 21, and did not look back. Jordan Travis is the unquestioned quarterback of Florida State. Sorry, Mackenzie Milton. He was 11 for 13 for 145 and three touchdowns throwing the ball. Running the ball, he carried it 14 times for 121 yards and two touchdowns, including a 53-yard rushing touchdown. That is one, two, three, four, five. If you're counting on your fingers, you don't have any left on your hand. That's how many touchdowns Jordan Travis scored by himself pretty much last week. Uh, Trey Sean Ward carried the ball set for 77 yards. Jay Sean Corbin for 52 yards. And they did what they have to do. They run the ball, and they let Jordan Travis be a problem. He was a problem this week. Jermaine Johnson, another sack. Are we surprised? Shouldn't be. Six and a half on the season. Uh, he is a semifinalist for the Lombardi Trophy, which is a uh, for the top defensive lineman in the league. And he should have a pretty good chance at that. They held Sam Howell to 203 yards and an interception last week, which is tough to do on for Sam Howell. Josh Downs, though, uh, was a beast. But it didn't matter because... FSU gets the win. Obviously, like we mentioned, a bye week. So look, looking back at some things, Jordan Travis is completing 64% of his passes on the year. His QBR is up to 150. It's 157 in this month alone. Jay Sean Corbin carried the ball for 556 yards and four touchdowns. Trey Sean Ward, 362 yards and two touchdowns. You have four guys over 100 yards receiving, which is surprising due to the I guess, amount that Jordan Travis is throwing the ball. And then on the defensive side, besides Jermaine Johnson, you have Travis Jay, who has two of the four interceptions for FSU this year. He is a redshirt freshman, so that is something you like to see. But that that's pretty much all we got, just a little rundown of what's going on. Uh, we talked about the schedule and all those things because it is a bye week. So um, I guess if you're in Tallahassee, I don't really know what there is to do if Florida State is not playing. <laughs> I don't know if there's, like, something that you guys like to do over there. But if you do, do it because you guys are on by <laughs> and uh, come back, regroup, and get ready for UMass. There are probably some things they like to do. Case, any chance that Jacksonville State gets a, an invitation to the ACC? Um, I don't think so. Okay. By the way, uh, Florida State basketball season right around the corner as well. Nice. Casey, you talk about that too? Why not? Dang, man. You're going to do a weekly a basketball FSU segment? hoops report. That one will probably come with a lot of dubs. Hopefully. Over the years, it has been very good. I like it. Uh, there at uh, 
at Florida State for sure. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, Casey Kurtz here on a uh, Thursday edition of Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. That is your FSU report brought to you by Bonos and Willie Jews. We are the home of Florida State football and basketball right here on uh, ESPN 690. Speaking of basketball, don't forget to go to unfospreys.com. Get your season tickets for Ospreys men's and women's basketball. Uh, soccer home tonight uh, for the women as well for UNF. So uh, make sure you check it out on unfospreys.com. We do have the Bucks and Eagles coming up tonight, Austin Lane. Hmm, your Eagles got a chance to prove something. <laughs> My Eagles, he calls them, yeah? Yeah, they got a chance to prove something. Um, great game in Philly. You know, this is this has been the Jalen Hurts show, nothing more, really, in Philadelphia. That's it, right? I mean, if you look at, like, the in terms of the usage and everything, uh, you're, you're facing a, a, a Buccaneers team that can shut down the run like nobody's business. So I feel like if you are going to be com- in a competitive game with the Buccaneers, it's got to be with the arm and it's got to be with Jalen Hurts. I'm excited. Yeah. Uh, I just saw a headline on um, Mel Tucker. It's a guy you know. Oh, yeah. He's having success in Michigan State. Great guy, right? Yeah. Uh, so it, it, the headline's basically like uh, Is he, uh, how Michigan State okay, became good. splashy <laughs> thanks to Mel Tucker's makeover, hot times in East Lansing. I thought all of a sudden he was in trouble or something. Like, no, no. Go. Okay, good. Uh, yeah, he's doing a great job there. He's doing a fantastic They're on the feed. They're top 10, right? By the way, Michigan-Michigan State game coming up might be crazy if they become undefeated, both teams. Should more NFL guys go back? Back to the college ranks. I know this wasn't just new. I mean, Mel Tucker, he had spent some time in the NFL, ended up at, or was he Colorado? Well, yeah, and the, well, before he was in the NFL, like coaching, he was at Ohio State. I think he was at Wisconsin as well. I think well. he had plenty of stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Mel's an awesome guy. Yeah. Awesome guy. Yes. I thought they had some issues at Michigan State, right? Like oh, yeah. with their athletic program, with everything. Yeah. I think they bring, like, this good guy, Mel Tucker, in, and I didn't necessarily think they brought him in to be like, hey, let's go win the Big Ten and win national championships. I kind of viewed it as, hey, let's come clean up the program here a little bit. Fix this mess, essentially. Right. Get us in a better light. Yes. And he's done that, but now he's winning. And now, like, according to this headline, this from um, uh, Pat Forty from SI, that, hey, it's a hot time in East Lansing. Now it's like people want to go there. Like he's made into that. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, and I don't want to downplay Mel Tucker. Again, he's an awesome guy. Yeah. But I don't know if I saw him being like the next big thing in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think of James Franklin or Harbaugh or Ryan Day or, you know, you understand Ferentz doing it at Iowa. He's been there forever. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you, you know, when you think of those kind of guys, I never thought Mel Tucker would enter the fray and be that. Now, this might be a one-off thing. Yeah. But but Mel Tucker might be the guy that turns Michigan State back into a winner. Yeah. After D'Antoni, that'd be something now. You know, I talked about this earlier on the show today when I say what makes a great coach is sometimes you got to read the room and relate to your players. Mel Tucker is that guy. Like, no one can can get along with any position group can just kind of, you know, chop it up a little bit better than Mel Tucker. Now, let's not get it twisted. He's still an NFL coach. Like, he expects a lot out of you. He's going to make you work hard. 
But like in terms of culture building, because um, I remember when Jack Del got fired here. When, when I remember when Jack got let go and then Mel took over. Like we wanted to win for Mel. And yeah. We thought he might be like the next head coach um, more than an intern. So. Like, he, he can definitely get guys behind him that want to play for him. So he's doing a great job in Minnesota. Yeah, by the way, I got a shout-out to Scotty. <laughs> uh, shout-out to uh, Scotty Hazleton, too, with that defense. He's defense coordinator there, uh, former Jags linebacker coach. Good guy, good family, and uh, they're getting it done. So I'm glad to see them having fun uh, there in East Lansing. And uh, Mel Tucker leading the way. You said it, man, all-world guy, no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, he's a guy to root for, for sure. So uh, we can root for him down the stretch as well. We'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Time to get our Thursday picks in. Somebody is undefeated. Somebody. Only one. Wonder who that is. We'll be back. Yeah, last year we lost in a short week, so it's kind of disappointing, you know, to you have these weeks and you put a lot into them in a really short period of time like we have. It's already Tuesday morning at whatever, 1045, and we've got a lot of things installed where normally you, know, you still have another 24 hours before you put anything in. We basically have everything in for the game at this point. So, you know, it's just, it's it's like a um, cramming for an exam, you know. You just got to kind of put everything else to the side and then um, just focus on the game. Listen, stop with the narratives of how can Tom Brady do it still. He's 40-something years old. Bah, bah, bah. I told you. He can throw the football still. He's in good shape. The guy doesn't drink coffee. He's got, like, his own brand of everything. Yeah. He's fine. Stop worrying about the age. The, we've already gone over this. Like, he can play until you tell me that somebody closed on a pass because it didn't look the same. I think Brady can continue to play like this. And the one thing people leave out, Austin, is the fact that he's smarter than everybody in the league naturally. Not because he's going to take an SAT and beat you. He's Ryan Fitzpatrick smarter than him. But he has seen every situation that the league has to offer. Mm -hmm. He's seen every defense. He knows every style. He's seen every player. And for then... That point, the game is slower for Tom Brady than it is for any player in the NFL. Like, without question. Any of them. Name the greats. Doesn't matter. Even Aaron Rodgers, even Russell Wilson, even the rest of them. They're, the game of football is fast. The game of football is violent. Uh, the game of football is a lot of things. But this guy, for years and years now, but still now, that game is super slow. It goes in slow motion for him. And I don't think you can underestimate that part as an athlete whatever your sport you're playing when the game goes slow for you you perform at a high level especially if you've still got the physical talents and the physical talents aren't as 40 time physical talent is he can still rifle a pass in between two defenders and as long as he can do that we're going to see a good tom brady now this has been a fantastic tom brady but he's on a fantastic team i'm not as surprised by the tom brady's success early on as i think a lot of people seem to be wrapped up in no, I'm not surprised at all because, you know, he left a storied career in New England where you had, you know, you, you obviously had great teams, fantastic teams, but in terms of, of weapons, yeah, you had some here or there. You had a strong run game, offensive line that always had your back, but, you know, like you, you never really had, like, the over-the-top guys. It was just, you know, it was Tom Brady being Tom Brady and that Patriots defense having his back. You go to Tampa Bay, and, and you're surrounded by talent. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Then you bring in Antonio Brown. Um, you know, a decent running game and a defense that, once again, kind of has your back a little bit in terms of playing complimentary football. At least last year, this year is a little different. But then you take last year as well where there was COVID protocols, and you couldn't even get, like, you know, the, the full time with the team, and you still had that much success. 
What did you think it was going to happen when you had a full season to prepare? You had a full offseason. You had a full training camp. But, of course, Tom Brady's an MVP running. But, of course. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, I think, are they as good around him as they were last year? That's a fair question. Well, especially and, on defense. And defense, yeah. right? And, and they've been banged up to their, you know, in their defense. Sure. But that is the question. And, and you know, who you are in early October and who you are, you know, by late December and January, it's, uh, we've long said that. That's two different things. And if you look at the Bucks in early October last year versus what they looked like in late December, January, yeah. well, it was a totally different thing. Yeah. All right. What do we got, Casey? All right. Who's picking first? I think I am, right, because I'm still, we all tied still last week. the biggest week. loser. Thank you, Brent. Your options are this, then. Obviously, the game. Yeah. You can take Philly plus seven, or potentially the Bucks minus seven. Mm-hmm. Or you could take over 52 and a half points. Listen, I'm competitive, right? I love to win. Bucks to win. I hate to lose. By the way, my, my golfer is, is, is not doing good right now, I saw. Check the scores. Burns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, not wa- good. I'm watching. Not, not doing good, right? The butcher didn't sharpen his knives. <laughs> I got a dull blade in the, in the, in the, in the cabinet right now. <laughs> the, the sportsman in me, the competitive person in me, wants to take Tampa Bay straight up. Mm-hmm. But I'm also mad at my word. And this is ESPN 690 Philly. Give me the Eagles with the points. <laughs> Whoa, he let his heart do the talking. Yep, I don't care. You know what? Like, it's one thing if I'm going down, but I'm going down. I'm, I'm going to fight for what I believe in, Brent. And I believe the Eagles are going to have a better record than the Jacksonville Jaguars this year. It's in the bet. And I think the Eagles can give the Cowboys a run for their money in the division. Eagles plus seven. Am I up? Well, it's it, a solution it, it, one. It is seven, right? Seven. Yeah, what? Not seven and a half? It is seven. You sure? That means a push is in what? play. It is what? seven. What book are you looking at? Okay. Okay. Eight? No. Right, seven. I got seven at the one I'm looking on. I'm, just I, I'm seeing seven. So yeah. am I up? I don't know. Are you guys, you're the, the ruler of these games. Wait, how, how did fantasy go last week for you guys? I won. I beat Stewart. And we Brent, how did you do? Well, I won too. I only scored like 90 points though. Uh, oh. I won. Oh, then I guess action of Brent. Right? Is that how it works? Yeah, pick Brent. <laughs> Jeez. I'll take the Bucks. Shocker. Big uh, shock. I mean, yeah, it's, it was too I mean, up for you. I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'm, like, undefeated here, so if you want to go and you take the Bucks and I'll do the over-under, that's fine. Nope. I'm a competitor. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an asterisk 6 and 0, but... Pouting in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> Pouting. Give me over 52 and a half. I would have taken that, Bucks too. Bucks can't play defense. Yeah, I would have taken yeah, that, too. Sure. We're yeah. on the same page today. I know you guys... You know, didn't think I had the good stuff last week, and I still came up big. <laughs> yeah, we, but, did, we did laugh right in your face. Uh, I, hey, can we say that the Bucks we still don't know fully about? They come out in the opener. They beat the Cowboys. It was a really good game. Cowboys are good. Yeah. The Falcons stink. They beat them. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Rams. The Patriots are not. I mean, the Patriots are, what's the record? Two and three now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat the Dolphins, who are one and four. They play the Eagles. They play Chicago after that. I mean, their schedule is, it's like, okay, they had two really probably testy games. Yes. Cowboys off the rip, and they, I mean, they really, a lot of people would say should have lost. Yeah. And they lost to the Rams. I mean, do we really know if they're any good? I mean, we I know mean, they're we, good. Yeah, I mean, we know they're good. We're, we're assuming they're good. Yeah. But, yeah, man. The schedule has been a little. It has. But, yeah, 
Like the but Indianapolis Colts played a hard schedule to start. Murder's we row. know that. Yeah. That this isn't that schedule. Not even close. In fact, if you start running down their schedule, they got a lot of it's crazy. It's crazy. It's how- a Devonta Smith game tonight. I can feel it. You feeling it? I yeah. see how saying Zach hurts. No, 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 no. Feels, oh, like, yeah, fantasy. feels like 38 to 10 to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to uh, lie. I don't feel confident with this one, guys. <laughs> I gotta, like, this is the first time I've left a Thursday show. Kind of feeling sick of my stomach a little bit. <laughs> By so, the way, that game's on Fox 30 tonight. Also, is right here on ESPN 690. Part of our Westwood One coverage. Make sure you listen right here on ESPN 690. The Bucks and the Eagles. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Live from Extreme Wings, Roosevelt Boulevard. Come on out and join us. Extreme Wings, Roosevelt Boulevard, 3 to 6 tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. Fly, goes fly. <laughs> Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.